Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition. And this week it comes from Tom Canton of Football London, Arsenal writer down there, familiar face on the podcast. Tom, thank you very much for coming on, especially as well because it's your day off and you've sacrificed a morning in bed to come on to the podcast. Well, I'm up anyway. So, you know, it's all good, mate. It's all good. Um, well, thank you anyway for popping on to the show and um, to our listeners and viewers. I've, I've had a feedback, uh, a couple of feedbacks from yesterday's episode where I've been told I was too negative about the match preview because I admitted that it's been keeping me awake. The thought of Dan Byrne going up against Saka, the thought of Newcastle heading to Arsenal, especially with Arsenal's uh, Premier League form. However, I will admit Porto giving me some hope that it might not be as bad as I first feared. And Tom, that's where we're going to start with Porto. Arsenal in excellent form, but as Porto showed, not unbeatable. Mm. What did Porto do that Newcastle can potentially learn from and take into Saturday's game? You know, it's, it's quite funny, actually, because Porto did what Newcastle did when they drew nil-nil at the Emirates um, last year, which was break up the game, stop Arsenal from playing um, with respect, time waste a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think that all of those things contributed to stopping Arsenal doing what they're doing. And the thing is, like, you can moan and cry about, you know, the way certain teams play or the way in which they want to attack another team. But if you want to stop Arsenal playing, stop their rhythm, stop them playing the way they want to play. And both Newcastle and Porto have done that and have got results from those games, you know. So I think that they maybe Porto were the ones that learned in some ways from Newcastle, but Newcastle should certainly take a leaf out of Porto's book if they want to come to the Emirates with a result. That said, I think that this will be a tired Arsenal team. Um, they've played on Wednesday night. They don't have much depth because of the number of injuries that we've got at the moment. So I don't expect to see too much rotation unless some players have returned this week that weren't risked, like Thomas Partey, for instance, um, for the game on Wednesday. And they have had the game home yesterday. So they'll have one day of training today. And I doubt they'll do much training. It'll be mainly recovery. And then they'll, of course, play again tomorrow evening. So it's a quick turnaround for Arsenal, yeah. It certainly is. And in terms of bouncing back from that defeat to Porto, I mean, Arteta wasn't wasn't too happy afterwards. Um, and, and mentally wise, I mean, how quickly will it be, how easy will it be, sorry, for Arsenal just to push that result against Porto out of their minds and, and, and focus on what's to come against Newcastle? Arsenal have been quite good at, at putting results behind them. I know that there was a difficult period over Christmas where they, they lost to Villa, they drew at Anfield and they lost to West Ham and Fulham. But that was that seemed to be a bit of an anomaly because in the new year, obviously, we went on five wins on the spin, 21 goals in five games and, and looked very, very good and basically put ourselves with the best at that point before Liverpool played in midweek with the best goal difference in the league. So, yeah, they'd done really well to respond. And, and last season in particular, if Arsenal dropped points in any game, um, like the Newcastle home game, for instance, they they responded very quickly and they they turned things around and they put that result behind them. So I think Arsenal will, of course, be looking to do that here. Declan Rice spoke after the game against Porto and said, you know, they're very still much focused on uh, on this and not letting this affect them. The first words in the dressing room after the game was, that game's done, it's finished now, we move on and we look ahead to the next one. I was reading the reports back from that game and it highlighted the lack of uh, shots on goal uh, from Arsenal, which is funny given that in the Premier League they, they can't stop shooting on sight. Um, do you think it was just kind of a, a blip um, in their creative ways or is it something that maybe we might see against Newcastle where maybe you know the, the, the shots do dry up and that's something obviously Newcastle would welcome? 
I think it's a credit to Porto to what they did. They stopped Arsenal from playing. They stifled them in the wide areas because they, what they did was they basically channeled all the Arsenal attacks in as to as wide an area as possible and then took the ball off them or tackled them or blocked the pass and stopped Arsenal from being more direct. The only way Arsenal were getting chances were from set pieces, which they also dealt very well with. They frustrated Arsenal by keeping their players away from uh, Diogo Costa in goal. And he was able to collect and punch away so many of them. And any chance they did get were kind of little glanced headers that went wide from Havertz and Saliba. So Arsenal will still be dangerous from set pieces, don't get me wrong, in this game. And it has been one of the biggest you know, threats that Arsenal have this season is their, their corners and their free kicks. And we saw that at West Ham with Saliba and Gabriel both scoring. Gabriel got two goals from set pieces against Crystal Palace in the first league game of 2024. So they will be a threat in, in that sense. But Newcastle are a big side, of course. They've got plenty of good players that are good in the air and will be looking to to try and deal themselves with that. But I think Newcastle try as best they can to limit Arsenal's movement towards those direct areas between the half spaces. And if they can do that, then they'll be very successful at stopping Arsenal. And how important will uh, bringing an aggressive nature to the game be as well? I was speaking to uh, Nottingham Forest uh, fan a few weeks ago when we did the preview before Newcastle took on Forest, and he referenced the Arsenal game that Arsenal won 2-1 against Forest, and he pinpointed the fact that actually he felt Forest didn't play too badly, and he was quite impressed with their aggressive nature and that Arsenal weren't too com- comfortable with it. If Newcastle come into this game with a bit of physicality, will that you know rock Arsenal a little bit, do you think? I think that uh, there's this stereotype around Arsenal. I think Troy Deeney started off, didn't he, when he said about the cojones that Arsenal lack um, back in the day. Um, and I think that that is somewhat overblown now. Arsenal are a much tougher team. Um, yes, Porto broke them up with little fouls, but I think the refereeing in that game compared to what we get in the Premier League was night and day. You know, 36 fouls were blown in the game. Arsenal gave away, I think, more than 20, which... I'd say more than 60% were very soft and wouldn't be given in the Premier League because the Premier League referees like to allow the game to play out as much as as possible. So I think that the physicality side of things, Arsenal are well drilled with that. You've got Saliba, Gabriel, Havertz is, is a physical player, Declan Rice in midfield, of course, you know. And even the forward players, even though they're on the smaller side, Saka's brilliant at rolling a defender that's bigger than him and, and running away from them. Martinelli can be very direct if he's if he's not so isolated like he was in, in midweek. And and Trossard does like at the moment as he's starting to send the forward to drop in and, and link up play. And, and that movement can deceive uh, teams that try and outmuscle Arsenal on the day. So, yeah, physicality has been something in the past that's been raised as a question. But Arsenal are now, I think, one of the more physically intimidating sides actually in the league. And let's go then to Newcastle's issues defensively because if Arsenal are scoring for fun, Newcastle are leaking goals. Well, not for fun would be the total wrong phrase, but they are leaking <laughs> goals. And it is a little bit of a worry. It's a little bit strange considering last year they were uh, the joint least uh, in, in terms of conceding goals in the Premier League. Um, and I am a little bit worried given, you know, 21 goals for Arsenal in the last five games and the big fear is Dan Byrne at left back if he goes up against someone like Saka, you know, Saka's pace. Um, and I, I fully believe Dan Byrne will start at left back. I know our listeners, the majority of them, uh, would want Tino Livermento to start there. I am in that camp, but I do think Eddie Howe will stick with the back four that he's he, he's persevered with. Um, I mean, you must be praying that it is Dan Byrne up against Saka, right? I think Livermento is really impressed since coming into Newcastle. I do like him as a player. And he was linked to Arsenal actually quite a lot when he was at Southampton before he had that uh, really bad injury. Uh, I think that 
burn you look at on paper and, and I can see why the listeners would certainly be looking at that and thinking, yeah, I'd, I'd rather a more kind of mobile player in Livramento is up against Saka. But again, I, I bring back that game at the Emirates. Burn did a fantastic job on, on Saka that game. Um, and Saka couldn't beat him and couldn't get past him. And I think he was being doubled up uh, doubled up on at the time as well. And I can't remember who the left-sided centre-back would have been. Was it Cher in that game as well? Um or was he out injured at that point? I'm trying to remember. It may have been, but I mean, to be fair, I'm not going to even guess. But I, I agree with you on the point that, you know, um, Dan Byrne did do well against uh, Saka in that instance. And I think the hope f- f- from a Newcastle point of view is that every, it yeah. was Botman, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that, but the issue there is Botman of late has not looked like the same player since coming back from injury. And that's another mm. concern. But we have to hope out that, that every time Dan Burns really being criticised, he seems to bounce back with a performance which shuts everybody up. And I tell you what, there'd be no greater time to do it than on Saturday against Saka. But Saka's just a man in form, isn't he? Was it his 15 goals, 12 assists so far yeah, this season? Silly. silly. Is, 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 is he the key still not world class. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Is he the key player to stop, do you think? Or is there someone else that would spring to mind? Uh, Martin Odegaard is is the one. Um, I know that Saka's numbers are as they are. They're excellent. But he doesn't have as many of those numbers if it isn't for Odegaard's performances this season. He start, Last season, he had he equaled the record for the number of open play goals scored by a midfielder at 15, which is the, along with Kevin De Bruyne, which kind of shows you the level of goals he was producing. He hasn't been as good goal-scoring-wise this season. But I actually think that he's been in some ways better this season than last season because he's looked... He's had to play a slightly deeper role because Granite Jack is no longer here. And Arteta has experimented with Havertz. He's used Trossard in that left eight role as Smith Rose played in that left eight role. Uh, away to Nottingham Forest this year already as well. Um, but Havertz is mainly the guy it seems to be playing. And Havertz, therefore, plays in kind of this unorthodox second striker role, meaning that Odegaard's not playing the most advanced midfield position of the three anymore. So he plays slightly deeper, which means he's not scoring as many goals. He still gets into what we like to call the O-zone, which is kind of just around the, the D where the ball's kind of cut back to him and he strikes the goal like he did to open the scoring against Burnley uh, last weekend. And he's still dangerous there. But if you can stop Odegaard, Arsenal do tend to look about 50 to 60% of what they're capable of achieving. And Saka obviously benefits a lot from being on the same side as Erdegaard and those two have a really good combination. Ben White as well has started to play this new inverted position. We're so used to seeing Zinchenko be the person that usually inverts on the left-hand side, but with him injured, Jakub Kivior's come in and so Ben White has been asked to do the inversion on the right instead because Kivior has struggled when he was asked to do that when he first came in. So they've swapped it over now and now White's doing it and that's really helped, I think, Erdegaard to be better as well and White's looked a lot better than he did at the start of the season. So that right kind of pocket of players I think is is where Arsenal will be the most dangerous and if you can stop that which is going to be on Dan Byrne and and, and Botman to do um, and whoever the left-sided defensive midfield player is going to be on the day and I remember Joel Linton's not available and fit and, and at St James's Park and I was there for that game Joel Linton was unbelievably good that match so he's going to be a big loss I think in this one for you guys because um, he really did get under the skin I think of a lot of Arsenal players in in that fixture. Yeah, Jolin is a huge miss and his absence means that you've got Lewis Miley and Sean Longstaff, two very similar players in midfield alongside Bruno. In recent weeks, Bruno Bruno has been allowed to have a more attacking role and it's, it's paid off. You know, he, he's looking much more comfortable. He's much more effective, but it does leave 
two very similar players trying to stop the, the attacks of the opposition. And, and, and truth, Lewis Meyer has actually stepped up really well to fill in into that number six role. Um, Sean Longstaff's not been in, in, in too good of a good form, but Newcastle's midfield as a whole, that's where the real issue is. You know, they, they haven't got the discipline to kind of sit back and, and, and mop everything up. They all seem to stream forward. And if a goal doesn't come from it, then the opposition stop them and hit them on the counter. And that's then when Dan Byrne gets exposed. And it's it's happening week after week after week. We saw it in the last game uh, against Bournemouth. We've seen it, you know, against kind of every level of team in the Premier League. And I think that's where the fear really lies, that if Newcastle do get hit on the counter um, by Arsenal with with their players and with the, the talent, the pace they've got, you know, you can only really see one outcome. Um, but fingers crossed my negativity is totally wrong. Um, you, you mentioned Havertz there. I mean, he is a player that... Um, Shall we say is not in the good books of, of Newcastle United fans. He wasn't like the Chelsea. He's uh, the dislike of him has continued uh, since his move over to to Arsenal. He, he's definitely a player that if he's not on your team, I imagine, um, yeah, you definitely you're not liking him. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, because um, before he came to Arsenal, I never really looked at him as a player that was in that mould of of the characters that that you don't really like, you know, the Diego Costas of this world or Matteo Genduzzi's of this world, you know, that, that aren't necessarily liked. And Arsenal, despite me naming one, actually, of, in Genduzzi, have really lacked kind of a little bit of a grittiness uh, of, of a player, if that's the most respectful way to put it. Um, I think that the tackle, obviously, that was, you know, some say a red, some say as close to a red, uh, but not quite a red. Um, I could absolutely would have understood if he'd have been sent off. I wouldn't have had too many arguments but in that same game I thought Bruno Gamarai should have been sent off for a forearm smash so you know uh, I guess that kind of leveled things out in in some ways but yeah he's an intriguing player because Arsenal fans as well aren't on the whole I think necessarily convinced yet I'd say if you asked like a sample of 100 Arsenal fans I'd say the majority would say they're not convinced by Havertz at the moment um, because he's not been able to deliver the 65 million pounds that we paid for him yet. And I think that's because he was signed as something of a project. I think it's a risk that Arteta took with that signing um, because Arsenal were on the up and we could have spent maybe £65 million on a player like James Madison, who was very much on the up as well. And instead, he's he's decided to go for a player that he thinks he can try and revive his glory days of, of Bayer Leverkusen. And we've seen glimpses of that. Like He's, he's played really well against Brighton and, and scored. He scored the winning goal at, at Brentford. He scored the equaliser at Luton before Declan Rice won the game late on. Um, he played a really big part in us beating Liverpool. Um, and had we been a bit better in the FA Cup, he was key in, in that performance that we probably should have deserved to win in the FA Cup as well against them. So he's been really good at points, but then he doesn't quite do enough I think with the eye test to convince, I often have to do rewatches to kind of look back and see, oh, that's what he was doing. And actually he had a really impactful um, performance on the game, but it's not always too clear and obvious when watching. And I think that's what sometimes goes against him. Hmm. And in terms of injuries for Arsenal, there were a couple of players who didn't didn't travel uh, to Porto. Are you expecting, I think it was Sinchenko was one of them. I can't quite remember who the other one was. Yeah. Who was the other one that didn't, didn't so- travel? Didn't travel was Zinchenko, Gabriel Jesus, uh, Takira Tomiyasu and Thomas Partey is back in training, but he didn't travel either. And of course, Yuri and Timber also remains out as well. So are we expecting any of them to be back and available to, to pick from on Saturday? 
That's the question. Obviously, we're recording this about 50 minutes before Mikel Arteta's press conference. Um, so we'll obviously get some updates there. As I mentioned, Partey did train ahead of the game and has been on the grass since last week. Whether he's back or not remains to be seen. But if he is, I imagine it wouldn't be from the start. I think he'll be eased back into things. So we might see him from the bench. Zinchenko is a little bit of an unknown. We don't really know how quickly he's going to come back because there's been very little said about his injury. Uh, and Jesus as well. None of them were in training before the game against Porto. So Jesus, Inchenko and, and Tommy Asu, none of them trained on Tuesday when I was at the training ground to watch the open training session. So unless they have come back and have been training whilst they've been in Porto because they didn't travel, then that might change things. But yeah, it, it's not looking too great unless there's a big change of an update from Arteta today. Oh, we joking. We are waiting for updates from Eddie Howe as well on the likes of Fabian Cher, Alexander, Isaac, Joe Willick is another one. But um, thankfully, Fabian Cher pictured in training this week after he left the pitch um, with a, a makeshift sling um, against Bournemouth at full time. But he has been pictured without uh, any 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 sling on in training, actually, you know, in in in, in contact training as well. So that's uh, brilliant from a Newcastle point of view. And we expect Alexander, Isaac, and Joe Willick to be back and available, although I wouldn't expect them to, to start. They'll probably be on the bench, I would think, because you know, Blackburn and the FA Cup coming up on Tuesday, you're not going to rush back two key players. Um, you know, I said I was I was fearing Arsenal, and I am, but Newcastle seems to be, Tom, a side that's really got under Mikel Arteta's skin. He always seems to get wound up by them, partly because of the way they play against them. And I know Arsenal are unbeaten in the last 11 at home against Newcastle. Um, but Newcastle seem to really be able to wind them up. And and do you think that's something they can tap into again on Saturday? Yeah, I think any team that, that can get under Arsenal's skin, is, that's the best way to, to beat them, um, to try and frustrate them, to try and be in a situation where Newcastle look to be uh, a side that, that can do that, have done that, as you've mentioned, but any side that can do it has a much better chance of, of frustrating the Gunners. In terms of... You know, the most recent results, I think Newcastle are, I think, two wins, one draw, one loss in the last four meetings between the two sides. Before that, the record was terrible. <laughs> I think it was eight losses or something like that in a row. Um, but recently, since obviously the improvement and the investment in the squads and Eddie Howe's arrival as well, that has changed the fortunes of Newcastle against us. And I think that it, it is seen as a very competitive fixture that comes at a terrible time for Arsenal because of the midweek game. Um, so I think Newcastle fans should be very encouraged and and shouldn't necessarily feel overawed by that. And that's not to downplay Arsenal in any sense, but it's just the reality of of what I've, I saw on Wednesday night and the reality of what that means to, to recover from. Arsenal will be very motivated from that game at St. James's Park. And Arteta has been known in the past to, to hook onto things like that, to go into dressing rooms and training uh, and, sorry, um, pre-match team talks and, and use words that have been said by managers, things that have been said by fans, things that have been said by players. And I, without a doubt, I'm certain that he will be using that game and how Arsenal felt so hard done by at St. James's Park in that game to motivate the, the team. And they'll be looking for, for revenge as much as they can do. What I was going to ask you, is the ball still in play? <laughs> yeah, we've had a number of those this season. I don't know if you saw the West Ham game with Jared Bowen as well. It's, I, yeah, maddening. Maddening. It's a disgrazia, is what it is. You know, I did. See, I did see a tweet uh, from someone this week uh, showcasing. I think it was the 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 ball for the the Euro finals this summer, and so it, it's been advertised, and someone's put it on the corner, 
um, of the pitch where you would take the corner and someone tweeted Arsenal think this is out and it, it did it did <laughs> it did um, did make me laugh somewhat. In Newcastle though, you mentioned the record against Arsenal and it has improved of late under Eddie Howe, but you have to go back to 2014, December 2014, the last time Newcastle scored away at Arsenal. I mean that is a that is a long, long time, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's quite something. It is. I I'm really not a fan of these records though. Like I I think they are. It, it's such a weird thing that we and we do it in the world of journalism. You know, we always look back at records and we look back at what the omens are and the last time a team won there. But every game is different. Every game is a as a set of eleven players. Like back in 2014, none of the players. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm saying none of the players that are involved in that that game are going to be involved in this one. Um, and it's it's a completely different fixture. And Newcastle are very capable of scoring in any game that they play. Um, you assume that Isaac will be back for this? Do we know anything on that? Or uh, uh, The quotes from Eddie have not yet dropped, but he was back in training. It's just whether he starts, starts yeah. him. And given he hasn't got another option, some would say, well, you've got to start him because he's your only striker. But then mm. others would say, well, that's exactly why you don't start him because if you rush him back, There's then he again. Which Liverpool did against us with Trent Alexander-Arnold, and he's now out, and they lost that game, so it doesn't feel like the risk. And Salah, of course, as well, they rushed back and and has re-injured that hamstring. So it's a risk you take. And do I look at this game for Newcastle as a game in which you want to risk those players to get try and get a point or three here? I'm probably not. If I was Eddie Howe, I'd be thinking I'd be looking at games after this. Obviously, I want that to be the case. Someone else because I don't want to see Isaac playing because he's a fantastic player, but. If I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, no, I think that if we're going to try and get the points to get into European football for next season, you're looking at the games following this where you then got a greater stretch that you can have Isaac and players like Isaac are out injured at the moment or Cher or whoever um, available to to be able to give you the best chance of picking up those points. But I am incredibly biased. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, I think with the FA Cup on Tuesday against Blackburn, a chance to get into the quarterfinals, yeah. I, I think that, was, that, that will test... Um, Eddie Howe in, in what he does with Isaac if indeed he is available um, to play. So it'll probably be like, like Gordon up front. Uh, but the alternated against Bournemouth it didn't work. It was Harvey Barnes at one stage. It was Jacob mm. Murphy at another stage. Then Anthony Gordon, you know. Um, but Arsenal, I guess, are the prime example, Tom, of, of playing without a, a recognised striker, really. They are, yeah. I mean... It seems that Arteta's system favours a centre-forward that's more collaborative and more of like an auxiliary midfielder. In some, I mean, so much of Arteta, basically he wants 11 midfielders, is what Arteta wants. That's, that's the way he wants his entire team to play, to be comfortable on the ball, to be able to pass it comfortably and, you know, fantastic fluid movement. And Trossard or Jesus, whoever starts a centre-forward, plays that kind of role. Whereas if they start with, say, Nketiah, who they have done on a number of occasions, it's it's not looked as, as comfortable. He doesn't make the movements like Trossard and Jesus do. Now, Jesus, we don't know if he's going to be fit for this game. Trossard will. And Trossard's record of starting at centre-forward is excellent. Actually, the game that we lost on Wednesday night is the first time in, in 11 starts that we've lost a game with Trossard starting. And he'd drawn one and won the other nine that he'd started at centre-forward, scoring four and getting seven assists as well. So he's got a very good record when he starts there for us. But he doesn't start there loads. But the moment he's the number one option, it seems. Um, and he, as I said before, he kind of interchanges with Havertz and Havertz's role intertwines with that centre-forward position as he makes the runs into the box for some of the early crosses and the little chipped balls in behind as well for him. So, yeah, there's a lot of variation to the attack and that comes from a less recognised number nine. 
And how are you expecting the game to, to pan out in terms of the way Arsenal approach you? Are you, are you? are you seeing Arsenal having lots of the ball and Newcastle are going to going to have to sit in, try and absorb the attack and then hit Arsenal on the counter? Yeah, Arteta wants dominance in every single game that, that Arsenal play in, whether it's Liverpool at home or whether it's, you know, Porto away. You know, we've, we've dominated games so much. It's now what we do with that possession that, that matters. I always feel as though the longer the game goes on without Arsenal having scored, it's it always falls into the opposition's favour. Arsenal scored a lot of goals early in these last five games. And you think about the wins they've had, um, you know, scored in the first half against Liverpool and they scored in the first half plenty of goals against the other sides they faced two at home. So, yeah, I look at this and I think if Arsenal get a goal early on and then Newcastle have to come out a bit more to try and seek that equaliser, I know it's a footballing cliche, but that will open up the spaces for Arsenal to be you know, more threatening. So I think from Eddie Howe's perspective, get to half time without score, without uh, conceding. And you are in a really good position to, to get something from this game, more than just a point. And then that's when maybe you introduce Isaac off the bench or mm. Joe Willick. Um, exactly. Before I get your, your, your score prediction then, Tom, is there a player who you're particularly fearing from a Newcastle United point of view, someone that you, you really don't want to see um, on top form on Saturday? Um, I think that look, Gimaraish, I've been pl- praying to get booked the last two games because <laughs> I knew obviously that would lead to a, a suspension. Um, and he's he's avoided it and done very well. As you said, like he plays uh in this more free uh, offensive role recently with the, 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 the absences that you've got in midfield. So he is always a player that I think and it, it's someone who always feels that like he's slightly more motivated against Arsenal because of the, the narrative that surrounded that one, which I always, from a personal perspective, found. A bit odd because it was such a quiet thing from Arsenal. It got blown up a lot about Arsenal's interest, but it was like interest that existed alongside loads of players that Arsenal were interested in. He was just kind of a name amongst things. And uh, yeah, but it's been turned and whipped up into this thing that's really motivated Bruno and I think created a little bit of a narrative between Arsenal and Newcastle fans around him as well, which is which is great. I think mean, you know, from that tribalism side, it's great. But you know, Trippier's deliveries are always something to, to be concerned about um, from set pieces. And I think that, you know, Gordon has had a season where I think he's starting to show why you invested so much money into him. Um, and so he will be a threat. And as I mentioned, if Isaac is available and if he does come off the be- uh, bench or even starts, he's always someone that I have a lot of respect for and uh, and think he can be dangerous. Yeah. I'm feeling more and more positive with every word you were at time. I, so I really regret doing this. <laughs> If Eddie Howe's watching this, I've just completely undermined Arsenal, yeah. <laughs> um, how is it going to go then? What, what's his score prediction? Oh, 7-0 Arsenal now, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've got to spin it now. I've got to bring it back. No, uh, I'll go 3-1 Arsenal. Um, yeah, I, I think Arsenal will be really motivated for this um, and will be really gunning for it at the beginning and will hopefully come out of traps. I can usually tell what's going to happen within the first two to three minutes of the game. Arsenal was so predictable in that sense. If they played like they did against Porto in the first five where they barely got around the box, you're like, it's going to be a long day. But like the Burnley game and the Palace home game, the Sevilla home game in the Champions League where Arsenal came at the blocks absolutely flying. You're like, okay, this could be a long day for the opponent. So I think they will be very motivated and come out very quickly. But that might, if they don't score because of the fatigue side of things, if they don't get that early leads, it will count against them and they'll be looking to try and, I think, kill the game quickly because they know that the energy levels are going to be a lot lower than Newcastle. So I'll go 3-1 and a, um, a rampant start, but probably dig in late on and, and probably concede. I said I am feeling better about it and I am. However, I can only see Arsenal winning this game. 
I'd be really intrigued to see the starting eleven from Newcastle. If Dan Byrne starts at left back, um, then my fear somewhat accelerates, and I feel very bad for saying that because Dan Byrne, wonderful servant, great story, but him up against Saka is just not something I want to see. And Arsenal's form in the Premier League, despite their loss to Porto in the Champions League and the fatigue issue, you can only see them winning. Um, I did think I predicted four or five nil to Arsenal on yesterday's episode. I'm not going to do that today. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's how, that's how I, I had a bad night's sleep. Um, yeah. I've had, a little, I've had a better night's sleep um, last night. Um, however, you know, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll go 3 1. Newcastle get on the, on the score sheet. I think whatever the result, Newcastle will, you know, uh, put in a dignified uh, performance. They'll, they'll definitely be trying. The effort will be there. It's just whether they can stop Arsenal from, from getting an early goal and, and, and continuing their unbelievable well, you've made sport. me feel better so thank you <laughs> you're very welcome tom and uh, thank you to you for popping on to the of podcast on your day off go and enjoy the rest of the day and to you guys watching and listening thank you very much for tuning in hit subscribe hit follow give the video a thumbs up if you're on youtube and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest newcast United news including eddie house press conference which is underway on friday morning uh, for myself i'll see you guys next week.